Hey everybody, welcome to episode 6 of Fresh Out the Cocoon. My name is Joy and I'm your host, like I am every show. <laughs> I'd like to thank everybody for tuning in. Thank you for listening, thank you for downloading, thank you for sharing, for liking your comments, your suggestions, your support is greatly appreciated. So I thank everyone who has listened to all episodes, one episode, a half an episode. Uh, you guys are definitely appreciated. And today we are going to be talking about, um, I entitled this episode, How Much for Your Birthright? Um, so I kind of want to talk about what that means. I want to talk about the ways that I see birthright, particularly in this context. Um, and yeah, I just want to share some things, I guess, that's been on my heart, things that I've seen through my teaching, through interacting with people, um, you know, times just thinking here about myself, because when you live by yourself, you tend to think a lot, uh, and you probably talk to yourself more than what you like to admit, and so uh, I want to kind of get this out there for uh, for people who may be listening or people who may be going through the same things or have been through a struggle that's similar uh, to the things that I'll be talking about today. And so I don't think that there are any announcements. My life has pretty much been the same. Um, still a little boring, still a little dry, still too much busy. And I'm looking forward to it not being as busy. Um, I am almost finished writing my dissertation proposal, um, which is fun. Um, and hopefully that'll be done sooner than later so I can get a degree and start kind of being a real adult. Okay, so how much for your birthright? That's what we're talking about this, 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 this lovely day. Um, and so when we typically think about birthrights, so I can put this in context for everyone, uh, usually when people talk about birthrights, at least, they're talking about an inheritance. They're talking about material being passed on from parents uh, to typically your firstborn. Uh, and so I don't want to talk about birthright in that context today. Another definition for birthright is your heritage. Uh, and so I kind of want to stay along those lines for this particular episode and talk about some of the things that I've seen and some of the things that I've experienced on my, on my, on my, in my own life. And um, in regards to birthright, in regards to the magic that's on the inside of us as individuals, and particularly the ways in which that magic gets snuffed out or gets exchanged for something less than um, if you are someone who is marginalized in society, right? So if you are, in my instance, black, if you are fat, if you are a woman, um, there are ways in which the value that's been placed on the inside of you, your gifts, your talent, your skills, your tools, all of those things, typically um, there's some type of pushback against those if you're housed in a body that society does not deem legitimate, right? That society does not deem as respectful or that society does not deem as useful. And so I kind of want to talk about this stuff today and in some ways encourage people who are listening uh, and just encourage us to know on some level that despite what happens, despite what society says, right, um, that we are just as much worthy as anybody else of love, of compassion, of understanding, right, that our talents are not any less because of what they are housed in. 
and often, so often, um, before we ever get a chance to really explore our own talents, explore our own greatness, um, there's typically pushback from people. People that in some ways, maybe they see your talents, maybe they don't, but typically they see your talents. If they see that you are too free, right? You're too open. You're too, you're too confident about your body, right? Here comes somebody, the bad news bear, right? That wants to kind of snuff those things out, right? And sometimes, oftentimes we are offered something in exchange, right? So when you choose to sit down and you're no longer, you know, the loud, confident individual, you're exchanging your birthright for something. And more than likely, it's going to be a stereotypical representation of who everybody else thinks that you're supposed to be. And so that's crap. Um, and it sucks. But if we don't have people who are out here in some ways encouraging us and telling us, you know, that even as a fat person, I have the right, okay, I have the right and I have the freedom to take up space like everybody else, right? As a black person, I have the right and I have the freedom to take up space like everybody else. As a woman, I have the right and I have the freedom to take up space like everybody else and my voice matters. What I have to say matters. What I do matters, right? And none of that should be minimized based on the fact that I am black, that I am fat, and that I'm a woman. And so case in point, obviously I've, I have some type of lived experience uh, with this, but um, one of the things growing up that I had to learn about, or at least grow into now that I'm a little bit older, uh, is the acceptance of my voice. And so people who know me, people who have grown up with me, um, they probably already know this, but for years, people used to tell me that my voice was extremely small. It's small, you sound like, you sound like you're a kid, I've been on the phone, I've had people ask me, like, you know, where are my parents? things of that nature and so being younger I grew up with this idea in some ways that my voice was not acceptable um, and so it made me less likely to speak out I didn't want to I mean stuff things that I needed to say right I found myself sitting on that and being quiet about it because on some level some people told me right that my voice was not acceptable for who I was right it's the only voice that I have but this is the way that, you know, I was I was treated. And so over time, you know, you kind of start to get a feeling about those things. And so I was like, ah, yeah, I don't really want to speak. I don't really need to speak. You know, if I had to speak up and then having to repeat yourself five, six times before people pay half of attention to you, right? Whether it be they didn't see you, whether it be that they didn't think that you had anything reasonable to say, um, you kind of grow up with 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 a complex in some ways like about your about my voice anyway personally and so as I got older and I started to realize that I did have a, a voice like inwardly right and that what I had to say actually mattered uh, it was easier to climb out of the shell of what it meant to have a small voice um, and then to kind of look back over my lineage and realize that I come from um, a line of teachers preachers 
whatever, um, people who are prone to speaking, you know, I kind of look back at that and I think like at that time being younger, um, what I was forfeiting in the process, right? Because again, um, the title of the episode is how much for your birthright. And I don't think that we always realize what we're exchanging, um, the goals, the values, the, the, the talents, the gifts that are in us for, right? So it wasn't just me sitting down on something, but it was in turn also me exchanging that thing or me exchanging my voice um, for mediocrity, right? For, you know, sitting back and not, you know, not sharing new ideas, not being open about things, not being honest about things, not feeling like I had a right to be open and be honest about things or a place to be right and open about things. And kind of looking back on that now, kind of seeing where I am today and the things that I've been through um, and finding my voice, I say, man, like, wow, I was going to give up all of that stuff right? I was going to give up all of the things that my voice has afforded me up to this point um, because somebody else said that it wasn't good enough, because somebody else said that it didn't match. Like, it's the only voice that I have, right? And I don't think, like, I mean, like I said, I'm B35. I don't think it's going to get any deeper, right? And so there was some unpacking that I had to do within myself. And I'm not going to sit up here and say like, oh, it's all gone now. Like there are still things that like that I kind of get challenged with. Like I have to edit this, 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 this podcast. And so playing my voice back to hear it, you know, there are times that even I have come in agreement with those things. And I said, yeah, like your voice is kind of small, you know. It's a little tiny, it's, you know, you know, you look like, you know, you sound like you're kind of pushing 13 a little bit, but, you know, coming to grips and saying, this is what it is and not allowing um, those feelings to kind of stop me from doing what I'm doing. Um, so taking a step to kind of do this podcast was, was, was a big thing considering uh, for so long, it's, it's easy to feel like you don't have a voice. It's easy to feel like, and I mean, particularly when we talk about this this topic, um, the topic of fatness, <laughs> the topic of blackness, because um, it's been shared over and over again in some ways, you know, whether somebody is explicitly telling you, right, that you shouldn't be talking about these things, at least society is very clear through the signs and the representations that they put out to tell you that you shouldn't be talking about these things. So you take all of that and you throw it on top of a voice of somebody that sounds like they 12 years old. It's like, man, this is a whole lot of pressure. But I'm grateful. I'm grateful for being able to um, to kind of push past those things because I do understand that everybody doesn't push past. Everybody doesn't always find the will to get up and say, you know, this is what I have. This is who I am and this is who I'm going to be, right? And y'all going to get all of this, whether y'all want it or not. Y'all going to accept all of this, <laughs> whether y'all want it or not. And so, yeah, so that's just one story. <laughs> that's just one story of the ways that um, you can be confronted with what society thinks about you and you can sit down right you can take a seat you can say oh I don't belong here this is not somewhere that I'm supposed to be 
I mean, if I could tell y'all the number of seats, like I teach, I told you I teach, I teach, <laughs> I teach two classes. Um, I don't know what I was thinking. I taught two accelerated classes back to back Tuesday and Thursdays. Um, and if I could tell y'all how many seats that I've, I've, I've bounced into, shuffled through sideways, how many times my hips have hit students, um, all of those things, you know, in some ways, the classroom is not designed for someone that's my side. And I think it's easy, I mean, when you look around, you know, without getting too deep into things like attribution theory and stuff, but from those signs, I guess you can look and say, okay, well, this may not be the best place for me, right? I'm in this, in this classroom and I don't fit, okay? And because I don't fit, then there's something wrong with me. When in truth, I mean, classrooms, materials are supposed to be designed to fit the person, not the person fit the materials. Um, but it's easy to get caught up in that. It's easy to get caught up in the ideas of, oh, well, because based on the way that I'm treated, based on the way that things are set up, it's obvious I don't belong here right but it's also obvious that you are where you are and in a lot of ways you probably deserve to be there right you probably have done the work to be there and so it's not worth being um, discouraged about those things sometimes it's just a matter of making change um and so I just wanted to encourage uh, encourage us in some ways to say one, you're not alone. Um, and two, that we all have something to bring to the table. All. Um, I used to say this all the time, right? Like, can't nobody beat you at being, yeah. Can't nobody beat you at being you, right? And so what you possess as an individual, the power that you possess as an individual, the personality that you have as an individual, that's all yours, okay? And the best thing that you're going to be in this world is yourself, Okay, is you staying true to yourself, you staying true to your values, you staying true to your goals. Because trying to be someone else um, typically never, ever, ever works. Just never, just never works. And I've been on the spectrum of what it means to be, you know, if you are, you know, well, at least I'm learning in some ways to flamboyantly be myself. But I've struggled with accepting my own identity. I've struggled with what it means. I mean, growing up, people used to say, oh, you're such an old soul. And I mean, in a lot of ways, you're like, okay, well, that's fine. You know, you don't, in some ways you take it to heart and it's like, okay, I guess, you know, I have a, uh, a older disposition, so to speak, about myself. Um, but then I had to deal with People coming to me in like really like in childlike manners. Um, so and then I found myself being like a mother. It's very easy for me. I don't have no kids, but it's very easy for me to fall into that place of mothering people um, in a sense. And not like, did you do this? Are you going to do this? That not that sort of thing, but that comfort that uh, people find in me, in my personality, in my person. Um and having to kind of accept that in some ways. Like, you're always going to be that gentle, nurturing type person. Not saying that I can't be rowdy, but that typically isn't the way that I go about things. I'm quiet, you know. And people, you know, I had to live through the years when people were, like, turning up and going hard. And I was like, whatever, I'm going to bed. Like, I'm going to sleep. 
that's what I like to do. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Or, you know, I'd rather stay home and do things. I'd rather have long conversations with people than go to clubs and different things like that. But that's who I am. And it's okay to be that, right? Like, it's okay to be yourself, accepting your identity, accepting in some ways who you are and what matters to you and how those things matter to you and understanding that everybody may not rock with you based on those things, but that's never a reason for you to change, right? It's like I've seen this... Um, I seen this it's not a meme but it was like a picture on um on IG and it said like find your tribe and love them hard and I think that's important because once you find your tribe once you find people who get down with you people who will accept you people that you are also accepting of um finding that base of support finding the people around you and it's not to say that everybody's going to be like you um but people will love you and people will love you unconditionally i think like that's the awesome thing about finding people that you can connect with because we all need um we need a support base and we all need some place right some people who we can call home and those are not always your family. Um, you know, kind of going back to the idea of birthright, sometimes family are the number one killers of the thing that rests on the inside of you because family thinks that they know what's best for you. Family typically are the first people to see it, see your magic, see the goodness, right? And so, you know, particularly amongst fat girls, um, you know, you have family who, well, I'll talk about my family, talk about me, um, where they believe that they were doing a good thing, right? And so it's like, girl, pull, pull them shorts now, pull your skirt down, girl, oh, your thighs are so big, you know, what, like, oh, your belly's hanging out, whatever. And so you grow up being very self-conscious about your body, right? You grow up walking around, always pulling and tugging at your clothes. Um, and they typically, and it typically happens, you know, when you are having the most fun, right? When you are being the most carefree, you running around, all the other kids is running around, all the other cousins is running around, and a family member feels the need to pull you to the side and say, girl, pull your shorts down. All, all your thighs is hanging out. Pull your skirt down. Everything, I can see everything. Knowing darn well they can't see everything, right? It's just that your fatness and your carefreeness makes them uncomfortable. And so as a result, they look to kind of holster that a bit right and by doing so they don't realize the ways in which they are having an impact on you for for later years you know what I mean some of the things that my family members said to me at a young age about my weight I still remember okay and so it's interesting to be you know to carry around a memory with you for 28 years right and those things not being particularly positive um, about your body and so man it's just like understanding those things so sometimes your tribe is not your family sometimes you know sometimes your tribe is not the people that you've been friends with your whole life right sometimes your tribe you meet them on a whim you meet them you know <laughs> at the gas station or you know you meet them in different places in life you might meet people at events 
somebody that you may have friended on Facebook. I can't tell you how many people I wanted up friended on Facebook that, you know, that in some ways I've never met before, but we just click and we're cool and we can have conversations with one another um, and we can laugh and joke and we can be honest and we can be real with each other. And so all of these things, it's like help, you know, being able to find yourself being able to live out what's really on the inside of you um not the things that society says you're supposed to do um not playing the stereotypical roles kind of like you know people who audition for movies right like they kind of give them these stereotypical roles that they're supposed to play and society i think and life in general also has those roles right and they want to see you in those roles because anything else becomes unacceptable right and so they don't want to see you you know they don't want to see fat people being happy living being rambunctious right they don't want to see us climbing mountains y'all right they want to see us being lazy they want to see us fit the picture of what it means to stereotypically be fat be lazy don't you know not being active in some ways you know you're supposed to be sitting on the couch you know sobbing over life and again this is like you know you get an exchange for your birthright even though you know that you deserve something better you know society would rather see you settle right with mediocrity and I feel like this is why some of the reasons why, you know, even if we talk about issues of dating, when dating men who are, you know, either attractive, um, at least by society standards, or they have muscles, and I guess one day we will all come to grips that just because a man has muscles and he works out doesn't mean that he does not like fat girls. As a matter of fact, most men, most men that I've been approached approached by in my life have been smaller men, muscular built men um, who typically like jiggly thighs. So whatever. Um, but men tend to feel like they are doing us a favor um, because they like us, because they like our bodies and like we should be grateful for it and again that's kind of fitting into this mold right I'm supposed to dim down my shine and accept anything because by societal standards I don't deserve anything which is a lie right a lie from the pit of hell like I'm not I'm not here for that I'm not dealing with that I'm not living that um, and so I th the more that we, you know, accept ourselves, um, I think we're always going to have this pushback in society about who gets what and where, um, and who is deserving of what. Um, but that don't mean that you're not worthy or deserving of things. Like sometimes you just got to put people on ignore and do you and do what's best for you. Right. Um, nobody gets kudos for <laughs> nobody gets kudos for like liking fat people or liking fat women or liking black women for that matter. Um, and so I know that there was a Instagram post that went viral um, earlier this week because there was a guy who I guess he has a wife and she's like curvy and he pretty much like objectify her body and was saying like you know everybody else doesn't like it and I don't like it I mean everybody else doesn't like it but I like it and so you know in some ways I think this was an attempt of him trying to um trying to I guess in some ways say that he likes her the way that she is um but at the same time he kind of simultaneously dragged her 
Um, and so there's a lot of uproar about that. And I don't understand why people feel like it's necessary to even say some of these things sometimes like, oh, okay, she's fat and I like her. Well, dude, I would hope so, right? Like I would hope so if this is your wife, if this is somebody that you that you want to spend the rest of your life with, the, the hope would be that you genuinely like her, that you care for her and that she's bringing more to the table. Or at least she inspires you in more ways than like just her hips and her butt and her belly. Like I would hope that there's more to why you chose her than that, right? But in society, we are um, constantly or commonly, like this is the norm. Like people typically get these kudos, they get these hand claps for doing things that are mediocre, um, but they mean something because they are towards a group in society who is not supposed to be getting, right? And this is by societal standards, who is not supposed to be getting um, these accolades, right? So fat people aren't supposed to be praised. And so then society goes all crazy about it. And now he's like, you know, he's on Mount Everest because he decided to like a fat girl. Like if y'all don't get out of here with that foolishness, like fat girls don't think that themselves, you know, are any less y'all. There is a demographic of fat women, fat films, right? who actually see value in themselves, regardless of what society is saying. Like we understand the magic that rests inside of us. And we understand that we are a lot more than just our hips and our thighs and our butts and our arms and our breasts. We are smart, we are mothers, we are educators, we are healers, we are encouragers, right? We have tools to succeed in life um, outside of the spectrum, the stereotypical idea of who we are supposed to be. No, we are not lazy uh, individuals. No, we are not just sitting around twiddling our thumbs, hoping that you know somebody one day will find us and pay us attention. No, we are out here moving and shaking things, right? Because somewhere along the line, we were able to understand what was on the inside of us, right? Our birthright, um, the things that we've inherited inwardly our heritage right I come from a long line I think I already said this I come from a long line of of teachers of preachers of encouragers right I come from a long line of mothers right healers um and so I'm not going to let somebody else snuff that out because they don't understand I'm not willing to let society snuff that out because they want me to fit in a particular mold right and here's the other thing right the other part about this too is that I wear my blackness loud and proud right and I'm not gonna let society snuff that out either you know what I mean there's just it's not it's just not gonna happen right and so no I'm not changing my vernacular to suit somebody else I don't have time you understand what I'm saying? When I stand in front of my students to teach my classes, I stand in front of my students and I teach my class um, in ways as though they are sitting and talking across the sh across the room to me, right? I'm not going out of my way to switch up who I am to fit something, to fit a mold, right? To fit who somebody else thinks that I should be as a teacher. I don't have to prove myself to anybody else. I know why I'm here, right? And my merit, the things that I've worked on speak for themselves. And so, um, so yeah, you know, it's just that at some point, 
um, being able to encourage yourself and say, listen, this is who I am. This is what I have on the inside of me. I'm not willing to sell out. I'm not going to sell out my birthright. I'm not going to sit down on the things that I am passionate about, the things that rest on the inside of me because society says that I don't belong here. I have every right to be here, right? Every right to be here. Yes. So that's where we are. That's where I am anyway right learning these things like a lot of people don't know before i decided to go back to school i was very much involved in church very much like church was my life six days a week i was in somebody's pew okay somewhere <laughs> somewhere um learning writing teaching reading whatever in 2010 i got ordained as a um as a teacher um and a minister so then i would you know i could marry i could bury i could do both at the same time if i needed to um but there's a story that kind of sticks out to me and i'm not going to church i'm not getting churchy i haven't been involved in church in years um but you don't forget the stories um but there's a story um that's that that's in the Bible that I'm reminded of um, and it's the story of Jacob and Esau and mm, give you a quick rundown Jacob and Esau were twins Esau came out first therefore making Esau the firstborn right and the inheritor of whatever his dad was planning on giving him Jacob was like no we can't have this like I'm trying to get the inheritance because I want the stuff whatever daddy gonna give I want it and so he winds up tricking Esau um, I won't even say tricking him in some ways. He wanted up tricking the dad ultimately into getting the inheritance. Um, but one day before this happened, Esau, he was a hunter. So Esau, he had went out, he was hunting, you know, I don't know what he was killing. I think he was killing goat. I'm, I could be making that up, but whatever. I think they was killing goats. So anyway, Esau was killing these goats and then um, he had came in from a long day of hunting and Jacob was home and Jacob had made some soup. Now, I think the Bible says it was lentil soup. Listen, lentil soup. It didn't say they had no special ingredients, none of that, no, no lentil with goat, no lentil with curry, no mixed spices, no salt, no pepper, no, just lentil soup. As far as I'm concerned, that could have been like lentils and water, but whatever. I think the stew was red, so I don't know. I don't know, but anyway, we can talk about, I don't know, okay? I, mean, I didn't give a whole lot of, a whole lot of details as to what was in the soup. But anyway, Esau, he was exhausted. He was hungry. He asked Jacob for some soup. Jacob was like, what? You want some soup? Esau was like, yeah, let me get some of that soup. And then Jacob was like, well, I guess I'll give you some of the soup if you give me your birthright. And Esau, you know, he... I mean, it don't really say like it don't in the Bible. It don't be like Esau went to sleep. He thought about it. No. So Esau was like, man, I'm famished. I'm hungry, dude. Like, sure, whatever. Take the birthright. Just give me some soup. And so Jacob gives Esau this lentil soup and then Esau eat the soup. And then, you know, in that moment, right, like Esau had traded his birthright for some lentil soup. And I was like, you know, back back when I was reading and I was all intrigued and stuff, I was like, this is some crazy stuff. Like, you mean to tell me this man just traded his inheritance for some lentil soup? Like, and so I kind of come back to the point of this of this episode today to say, you know, again, the lentil soup, they just said it was just lentil soup. It ain't say there was no goat in there, no no special meat, and I, there's no chicken, no chicken in the soup, nothing, just lentils, just lentils, 
listen, society will have you trading your birthright, the things that are valuable, the things that that will matter in the long run for something that is mediocre, something that is basic, something that does not have special flavors or go or chicken involved. Don't be in that position, right? Don't find yourself being an Esau. Stand up and be heard. Know that what you possess on the inside of you is valuable. It's worth the time. It's worth the effort, right? If you worked hard on it, right? If you worked hard on it, then you know what it's worth, right? And I'm not talking about like, you know, I work really hard and it winds up being crap. I'm saying the things that you put time into. If you spent time in building yourself, working on your identity, finding your voice, right? Don't let nobody snuff that out. Don't exchange it for something that's stereotypical. Don't exchange it for something that society says that you're supposed to be. Don't exchange it for something that's less than because people often try to give you something that's less than when they know what it's really worth. That's the whole point of bargaining, the whole point, right? And so if you walk into a car store, right? If you walk into a dealership and you want to get a Lamborghini, right? They're not going to budge on the price for so much because you already know what a Lamborghini is worth, right? Don't let nobody come into your car dealership and offer you no Toyota prices for a Lamborghini. You know your worth. You know what you're worth. I'm not likening you to cars, right? I'm not saying that you're worth cars. I'm not saying those things, but I'm saying that and understanding the work that you put in as an individual, understanding the, the importance of your voice, understanding your goals, understanding your talents, right? I don't care what society says. Yes, we're here. Like we're here, y'all. Yeah, we're black. We know, right? We're fat. We know, right? And whether we be women or women identifying or femme identifying, whether you're queer, whatever, right? You have a right to be here. You have a right to take up space. Do it and do it well, right? And so I guess that's going to conclude what I want to talk about today. Again, thank you all for listening. I truly appreciate you guys um, more so than what you know. I got a little fired up towards the end sometimes. I need to bring a towel or something next time. I don't know. All right. But as always, you can find me on Facebook, right? Fresh Out the Cocoon. That's my page. There's also a Fresh Out the Cocoon discussion group on Facebook. Feel free to join so we can have conversations. We can talk. We can chat. I'm also on IG at Fresh Out the Cocoon. I'm on Twitter at um, FOTC underscore podcast. Um, the store is freshoutthecocoon.com. So you can always be sure to kind of, you know, stick your head in there, buy a shirt, buy a shirt for someone else. I'm going to have a new designs come out soon. So that's always fun. Uh, yeah. And as always, you can find me on the podcast, right? So we're on SoundCloud, we're on Apple, we're on Google Play, we're on TuneIn. Um, and if I forgot any of them, there's there's links everywhere. All right. And so I hope that everybody has a great day today. I hope that this has inspired you in some way, encouraged you. And as always, remember to be you and stay fresh. Oh, yeah.